Grammar Girl here. I'm Mignon Fogarty, and you can think of me as your friendly guide to the English language. Writing history, rules, and cool stuff. Today, we'll talk about words that are inherently funny and dig into the word mellifluous after a caller uses it in a familect story. And now, on to funny words by Kevin Cummings. He writes, I had my first comedy hit with the phrase, itty-bitty kidneys. Of course, the audience was my eight-month-old son, so it wasn't much of a hit. But every time I uttered those magic words, he'd laugh until he couldn't breathe. Similar phrases, including itty-bitty fingers, itty-bitty toes, and the rarely amusing itty-bitty latissimus dorsi, never had the same comedic effect. I didn't know it at the time, but I was employing some powerful tools for verbal comedy. Here's the first one. Words with the K sound, like kidneys, are inherently funny. The humor potential of the letter K has been part of comic lore for years. In the Neil Simon play The Sunshine Boys, the character Willie explains it to his nephew. Quote, 57 years in this business, you learn a few things. You know what words are funny and which words are not funny. Alka-Seltzer is funny. You say Alka-Seltzer and you get a laugh. Words with K in them are funny. Casey Stengel, that's a funny name. Robert Taylor is not funny, unquote. So the names Squiggly and Aardvark, two recurring characters in the Grammar Girl example sentences, both have great comedy potential because they both contain the K sound. It masquerades as Q-U in Squiggly and lurks at the end of Aardvark. Scientist and researcher Richard Wiseman put the K is funny theory to the test during his Laugh Lab research in 2001. Although the main focus of the research was finding the funniest joke, Wiseman also performed a mini-experiment to see if the letter K actually gets more laughs. The experiment was built around a simple joke. There are two cows in a field. One says, moo. The other one said, I was going to say that. During the experiment, people were invited to visit the Laugh Lab website and rate jokes pulled at random from a database. In addition to the cow joke, Weissman and his colleagues put several variations in the database, including mice that went eek, tigers that said grr, and birds that said cheap. The winning variation, which had the most K's, was this joke. There were two ducks on a pond. One said, quack, and the other one said, I was going to say that. K's for the win. There are other verbal techniques you can use to elicit a chuckle, guffaw, or belly laugh, and all of them have their roots in poetry. Humor and poetry often make use of the same literary techniques, except that humor doesn't know how to behave for company. The technique of alliteration uses the repetition of the initial consonants in words to drive a point home or to make someone laugh. Consider this sentence. Squiggly was bamboozled by a bum at the buffet. And now consider this one. Squiggly was deceived by a tramp in the smorgasbord. The first sentence is lighter, has better rhythm, and is more likely to bring a smile. Cowboy poet and humorist Baxter Black used alliteration in a 2008 column about post-election television. He wrote, Television producers are already dreading the post-presidential election blues, anticipating plunging plunder, pundit prostration, and poorhouse paranoia. 
There may have been a simpler way for him to make his point, but it wouldn't have been as funny. Closely related to alliteration are assonance and consonance. Assonance is the repetition of vowel sounds within words in a sentence or phrase. The internal assonance in the name aardvark makes it sound funnier than anteater or ant bear. Building on the assonant sound, it's simple to construct a funny-sounding sentence, such as aardvark parked his cart in the dark. In the immortal phrase, itty-bitty kidneys, the short I sound added assonance to the already funny K. The final piece of the comic puzzle was consonants. Consonants is the repetition of consonant sounds other than at the beginning of a word. For example, Squiggly put a jack, the pack, and the bucket on the cart. The hard K, there's that darned comedic K again, is repeated in three of the words in the sentence, jack, pack, and bucket. Two of the words actually rhyme, but all three have the same consonant sound embedded inside them. In the phrase itty-bitty kidneys, the first two words rhyme in a consonant fashion, while the third plays more loosely with the long E sound in what's called a half or slant rhyme. Remember, these techniques are primarily oral, that is, they're funnier out loud than they are on the page. If you're writing something to be read aloud and it needs a bit of humor, a company presentation, a graduation speech, or your acceptance speech for the office of president— Just remember alliteration, assonance, consonance, and the hard K sound, and you'll have them rolling in the aisles. Thanks to today's writer, Kevin Cummings. I met Kevin many years ago through podcasting, and although he's now stepped away from the podcasting world, his humorous essay collection, Happily Domesticated, is available on Amazon. He's happily semi-retired, says he only works full-time now, and lives with his wife. Their two grown sons call home often to report on their adventures in adulting. Next, I have a familect story from DJ about cultimation and mellifluous. Hey, Mignon, this is DJ calling from Atlanta, Georgia, and I have a familect story for you that comes from my husband's challenge with the English language. He was telling me a story one day and used the fictitious word cultimation, and I stopped him and said, you know that's not a word. Are you trying to say culmination or cultivation or what? Little did I know this was a new portmanteau whose meaning wasn't clear to me. We never did agree on what it means, but instead, ever since then, whenever we hear someone using a word that doesn't exist, we immediately flag it as an abominable cultivation and hand out imaginary grammar citations in our mind. Love your podcast and mellifluous voice, and if your listeners don't know what that means, perhaps they can look it up or you can define it for them. Thanks, and looking forward to future podcasts. Thanks, DJ. If you didn't hear what he said, it went by pretty fast. He said, my voice is mellifluous. Aw, thank you. That means sweet like honey or something that flows smoothly. You know I'm always interested in words, so I had to look up the roots of mellifluous. We'll do the fluous part first. It means flowing or to flow, and we get a bunch of words from that same root. Think of fluent. That means to flow freely. So when you're fluent in a language, the words flow freely. Affluent is another one. The riches flow freely. And influence is interesting. It just means in flowing or flowing in. 
It first referred to the idea from astrology in the 1300s that an ethereal fluid flows in from the planets and stars to affect people's fate or character. The ethereal fluid flowed in and influenced people and events. Chaucer was the first person to write it down, according to the Oxford English Dictionary. It appears in Troilus and Cressida. Here are a few lines about events being influenced by the heavens. O fortune, skillful servant of the fates, divine influence from the heavens high. Under God you rule us in all straits. And the flu season will be here before we know it in the United States. I hear it's already bad in Australia. And we get that disease name, influenza, from influence, because in the 1500s, people thought you got sick because of the influence of the stars. Now we know it's a virus and you should just get a flu shot. And here's another aside. I love how these little tangents always pile up. The word disaster is also about the influence of the stars. In that case, it goes back to the Greek word astron for star. Disaster means bad stars. Disaster. You were unlucky and something bad happened to you because of the influence of bad stars. And then if we go back to the beginning of the word mellifluous, the meli part that means honey, that root is also part of marmalade. And molasses, which in late Latin was malasius, which meant resembling honey. And strangely, the word mildew, which really does mean honeydew, if I understand correctly, because the original fungus people were referring to on plants was sticky, like honey. The last one I'll talk about is the name Melissa, because I'm sure there are some Melissas listening. Your name goes back to Greek mythology. Melissa was one of the nymphs who nursed the infant Zeus, but she fed him honey instead of milk because she's credited with discovering how to get honey from bees. And Melissa is also a plant that got its name because it's especially attractive to bees, just like honey. So if you're a Melissa, your name is sweet. Thanks again to DJ for the story and for setting me on the path of the word mellifluous, which turned out to be fascinating. If you want to hear your familect story on the show, the story of a word your family and only your family uses, leave a voicemail message like DJ did at 833214-GIRL. And be sure to tell me the story because that's always the best part. I'm Mignon Fogarty, Grammar Girl and author of the New York Times bestseller, Grammar Girl's Quick and Dirty Tips for Better Writing. You can find me at the home of my podcast network, quickanddirtytips.com. And thanks to my audio producer, Nathan Sams. That's all. Thanks for listening. <laughs>